Chapter 8 of Mighty Animals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mighty Animals by Jeannie Irene Mix. Chapter 8 Mammoths and Mastodons. Slowly, through thousands of years, the elephants developed from small creatures with short trunks and tusks into animals so powerful that at last they were the monarchs of the entire world now they live only in africa and india and any one in other countries who wishes to see one of these animals must either go to a circus or a zoological garden yet in all the places where elephants are at present exhibited as curiosities they once made their homes for they lived in nearly every part of asia and africa and in europe and america there were many different kinds of them, but none were exactly like the elephants of today. And mightiest among them all were the mammoths and the mastodons. When men first began to find the fossil bones of elephants buried in the earth, they thought them the bones of human beings. They therefore concluded that once there were giants in the world. This is the reason there are so many stories about giants in the books written long ago. The Greeks believed that these giants were mighty warriors, and they worshipped them as heroes. Once, when they found the knee-bone of an elephant, they thought it was the knee-bone of Ajax, one of the tallest and strongest of these heroes. But the Greeks were not the only people who thought that the elephant bones which were found buried in the earth were those of human beings. In Switzerland, about 330 years ago, a violent storm uprooted an oak tree in the neighborhood of Lucerne. Sticking out from the big hole thus made in the ground were some enormous elephant bones. A professor in a college at Basel, after carefully examining them, said that they were the bones of a man, who in life stood nineteen feet high. Then he took the bones and put them together so that they looked something like the skeleton of a man. The people of Lucerne, believing from this that their ancestors were giants, thereafter used the figure of a giant as part of their city arms. And even today, a picture of the skeleton made by the Basel professor may be seen in one of the colleges at Lucerne. In England, during the reign of Queen Elizabeth, much excitement was caused by the discovery at Walton of what was supposed to be the body of a giant. A man of the time, writing about this discovery, said that the giant's skull would hold five pecks, and that every tooth weighed ten ounces. Then he added that it was plain to see these bones were those of a man and not of a beast. In America, mistakes just as queer were made. Cotton Mather and other well-known men considered the fossil elephant bones found throughout the United States proof that this country was once inhabited by a race of giants. When elephant bones were first found in Siberia, the peasants supposed that gigantic animals were living far down in the earth. These animals, so said the peasants, were so strong that, as they traveled about beneath the ground, they dug out deep caves, but they could not live in the air and light of the upper world. Because of this belief, the peasants, when any elephant bones were discovered, thought that they belonged to one of these animals, which, in its wanderings, had lost its way, and coming to the surface of the earth, had died from breathing the air and seeing the light. The Chinese had a similar belief about the big bones found in their country. 
Although the elephants began to be the rulers of the animal world long before any people lived, some of them were still on earth when man first appeared. These were the mammoths. We know that this was so because mammoth bones have been found in places where there are signs that man once made his home. In France, a piece of fossil ivory has been discovered with the outline of a mammoth sketched upon it. This drawing was the work of someone who lived long before people expressed themselves by the use of written words. For those first men and women and children had but little more intelligence than the animals which were their neighbors. They lived in caves and hunted these animals for their flesh and skins. And there were plenty of animals to hunt besides the mammoth, for the bear, hyena, and ox, the bison and horse, the fox and woolly rhinoceros, the Irish elk and the reindeer, were living then, and other animals also. As the British Isles, Europe, and Africa were all connected at that time, these creatures had a wide range. The waters, too, were filled with animals, and through the rivers that crossed Europe, hippopotamuses swam and waded from Africa to England, where many of them lived and died. We may be sure that the flesh-eaters among these animals hunted man even more than man hunted them. Then, also, the animals fought among themselves, and men fought one another. So it was a time of continual warfare. But, in the days when the mammoths were the most powerful, there were no human beings living. It was probably more because of their numbers than of their size that these animals held dominion over all other animals for so long a period of time. It has often been said that both the mammoths and the mastodons were very much larger than any living elephants. This is a mistake. To be sure, some of them were taller than the elephants seen in exhibitions, for these are rarely more than nine feet in height. But wild elephants over twelve feet tall have been captured. So far, nothing has been discovered to prove that the mammoth exceeded thirteen feet in height. We must remember, however, that a ceiling in a dwelling house is seldom more than ten feet high. An animal thirteen feet tall seems an enormous creature. Many of the mammoths were covered with hair, and these are known as the hairy mammoths. Next to the skin was a mass of soft brownish wool. Then came a layer of fine hair, and outside of this was a coat of very coarse hair fully eighteen inches long. This hair kept the mammoths warm when the climate was cold, and also must have served as a protection against enemies. For, surely, when an animal tried to bite one of these mammoths, he found its hair very much in the way, and very much in his mouth, too. The tusks of the hairy mammoth were wonderful and beautiful. Instead of being straight like the tusks of the living elephant, they curved outward and upward, almost making a circle. They were like enormous hooks of ivory, and sometimes thirteen feet in length. What a mighty beast he was, which carried such magnificent ivory hooks on his head! And what a sight a whole herd of these creatures must have been when they made their way through the forests! Nothing could stop the progress of such a procession of mammoths. They tramped down tall grasses and underbrush, leaving not a blade or a twig standing. When trees blocked their passage, they wound their great trunks about them and laid them low. When they came to the bank of a river, 
They forded it if it was shallow, and swam it if it was deep. As they climbed up the opposite bank, some of them, no doubt, became mired and found it impossible to free themselves from the oozing mud. Imprisoned in this manner, they died, sinking farther and farther into the earth, until they entirely disappeared from sight. But the large majority of this traveling herd made their way up the bank in safety and journeyed on, leaving destruction in their pathway. And when they joined together and sent up a chorus of trumpetings, terrible was the sound thereof. Such a scene as this must have occurred countless times throughout the world, in the very places where now are great cities, in which an elephant is never seen except when on exhibition. And astonishing does it seem that once such herds traveled through the United States. But it was not until after the mammoths had lived for a long time in other countries that they came to America. They found their way here from Asia by crossing the strip of land that once connected that continent with Alaska. The hairy mammoth ranged from the Pacific to the Atlantic, and about as far south as the Middle States. Another species, called the Southern Mammoth, was in the meantime living in Mexico and in the States as far north as Washington City on the east and Washington State on the west. These southern mammoths were even heavier and more awkward than the hairy species. Once in a while, some of them wandered up into the regions where the hairy mammoths lived, but they did not make those regions their real homes. Yet, after all, the mammoths were not the kings and queens among the elephants of America, for the mastodons lived here in even larger numbers than did the mammoths, and they excelled them in weight, in strength of muscle, and in length of body, but not in height. The chief difference, however, between these two species of elephants was in their teeth, for those of the mammoth show a much closer relation to the true elephant than do those of the mastodon. It is thought by some scientists that the mastodons were in America for a long time before the mammoths appeared, and that they lived here after the mammoths had disappeared. Some even believe that early man in America saw the living mastodons, but no positive proof of this has been found. But we do know that this country contained many other kinds of gigantic animals when the elephants were living here. Among these animals were bisons, which measured ten feet between the horn tips, horses fully big as any now in existence, water rats as large as bears, stags of amazing size, huge sloths, and many other creatures now found only in warm countries. In those days, all the countries in the world that are now cold had milder climates, although the vegetation was beginning to be much like that of the present time. There were dense forests all over America, and the grasses and bushes grew so luxuriantly that they made good feeding grounds for all the plant-eating animals. The mastodons thrived wonderfully on this diet, for, although they lived in all parts of the world, it was in America that they reached their greatest size and were the most numerous. They were scattered from one end of the continent to the other and nowadays their bones are frequently found by farmers as they plough, and by labourers as they dig ditches or foundations for buildings. Often these bones are mistaken for logs. And then again they are so well preserved 
that whoever discovers them immediately knows he has brought part of a gigantic animal to light. In Missouri, about 20 miles south of St. Louis, hundreds of mastodons have been found together in a small space. Among them are great big ones, which had probably lived to a good old age, little baby ones, and middle-sized ones. Michigan, Ohio, New York, New Jersey, Kentucky, and Florida have also yielded up remarkable skeletons of these creatures. But those discovered in New York are the best preserved, and the reason for this may be that the animals died by being caught in mud, which quickly closed over them and served as an airtight tomb. With one of these skeletons was found some long, soft, woolly hair, so it is thought that these may have been hairy mastodons, just as there were hairy mammoths. None of the mastodons have been recovered in as good a state of preservation as have some of the mammoths that lived in a cold climate. For this reason, we know more about the way mammoth looked than we do about the appearance of the mastodon. In Siberia, mammoths have been discovered with the skin and flesh still on them. The first of these discoveries was made in 1799 by a man who had gone to Lake Onkul to hunt for fossil mammoth tusks. One day he saw a large dark mass looming up out of the ice in the lake, but he paid no attention to the unusual sight. The next year he returned to the same place to hunt, and again he saw the strange object in the ice out in the lake. Still he paid no attention to it. When he went back once more, three years later, the big mass had fallen from the ice and drifted in toward the beach. Then he saw that it was a mammoth. Yet all he did was to cut off the creature's tusks that he might sell them. Two years after this, a man by the name of Adams saw this same mammoth still lying on the beach. But by this time little was left of it except the skeleton for the natives had fed the flesh to their dogs, and what they had not used the wolves and bears had torn from the bones and devoured. The ground all round the skeleton was tramped down by these wild animals. Mr. Adams searched beneath their tracks until he found some of the mammoth's skin and hair. Then he took the skeleton and these fragments of skin and hair to St. Petersburg, a distance of 7,330 miles. There, the skeleton was mounted and placed in a museum of the St. Petersburg Academy, where it may still be seen. In this same museum is another mammoth, which was discovered as far north as the Arctic Circle. The position in which this animal was found showed that he had slipped into a deep crevasse, and had died while trying to make his way to safety. He had been eating grass just before he fell, and when unearthed thousands of years later, some of this grass was still in his mouth. During a hundred centuries or more, he had stayed in exactly the position in which he died. This position showed that he had strained every muscle in his body in an attempt to work his way up over the edge of the crevasse. But he had burst a blood vessel in the effort, and that was the end of him. After his death, the earth and ice caved in on him, then froze. In this way, the air was kept from his body, so that it remained without change for thousands of years. When this creature was alive, Siberia was probably covered with fir trees and hardy bushes. It could not have been as icy a country as it is today, 
for the elephants lived there in large numbers. Thousands of their fossilized tusks have been found, and many of them have been sold to manufacturers who have made them into ornaments or billiard balls. And those who use the ornaments or play with the billiard balls do not know that they are handling ivory that once was part of an elephant which lived in Siberia long before there were any people in the world. But, after all, one of the most wonderful things about mammoths and mastodons is that they finally disappeared completely. The elephants of today are, of course, their descendants, but none of them lived in the countries where the mammoths and the mastodons were the most numerous. America, Europe, and the British Isles probably contained millions of these gigantic beasts. Yet they entirely disappeared, and no one has yet been able to give a satisfactory reason for their disappearance. Some men think that the climate of the whole world suddenly became so cold that the elephants could not survive the change. Others believe that early man hunted both the mammoths and the mastodons until all were killed. But as Europe is the only place in which proofs have been found that early man and the mammoth lived at the same time, and as no such proofs have been discovered in any country regarding the mastodon, there seems little reason for saying that these elephants became extinct because of man. End of chapter 8